Welcome to Cabin Minutecast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. I'm Heidi Bennett of HeidiBennett.com. And I'm Molly Balin of the website LittleRedMark.com. And in today's episode, we are discussing minute 12 of the movie The Cabin in the Woods. And in this minute, we are continuing on from our journey from episode 10 and 11, where we got to meet the Harbinger. And episode 12 is all about these kids being issued a big, fat verbal warning that things are probably not going to continue to go so well for them. Yeah, so the Harbinger really packs in a lot of little ideas and foreshadowing, just as we've discussed in the last two minutes in uh, mostly a, a, you know, more of a dialogue minute than the other minutes. And in this one, he mentions, oh, yeah, Tillerman Road. And I just thought, hmm, Tillerman, you know, that's a great word. It kind of reminds me of Tea for the Tillerman by Cat Stevens. And I thought, you know, I think I'll go look at that album and see if there's anything interesting over there to discover. And what I what I discovered was... Just a couple little things I thought were interesting. So most of you may be aware of this already, but the Hal Ashby movie Harold and Maude, which is one of my favorites, definite black comedy if you haven't checked it out. Uh, it's amazing. And and most of that album for, T of, for the Tillerman is the soundtrack to that movie. So I thought that was just kind of... It just there's a lot of black comedy. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of humor, mm -hmm. and so I just thought that was kind of an interesting little thing that they use the name Tillerman for the road. You know, Tillerman Road. But the other mm -hmm. thing then that I found was just looking at the track listing. Was you know, of course, Wild World is in it, which is probably the most well known song on that album. But there's also one called there's one of the one of the songs on the album. It's a uh, track number six. So that would be the opening track on side two, back when you had sides of albums. <laughs> and that song is titled But I Might Die Tonight. And I just thought, hmm, interesting. But I might die tonight. And then a little bit more. Um, I looked at sort of the criti crit critical reception of it, and I thought it was interesting that Rolling Stone has a sort of, you know, they're always doing collections of things or, you know, books that sort of collect different greatest albums of this, definitive albums of that and all that stuff. And that one of their one of their collections is um, that includes this album in it is called 1001 albums you must hear before you die <laughs> oh wow so yeah that was my little sojourn into tillerman road tea for the tillerman harold and maude and 1001 albums you must hear before you die so i thought that was a little trippy yeah i can see why you brought that up because there's with Harold and Maude, you've got um, Maude dying, you know, the, the joie de vivre trip, even though there's like a big age difference there. And there's that sex and death that gets married up. So I can see how that got put into this too. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting to note 
as every person that's ever done a movies by minutes podcast will say, it's interesting to note, you know, so <laughs> was it interesting to note? I thought so. Just just because of the the correlations with death and also black comedy and, and comedy in general. Anyways, so then the other thing that I noticed, which you're talking about, everything he says, the Harbinger pretty much says is is something to give you a thought about <laughs> to turn around and run, is that he also says um, about Tillerman Road, it dead ends at the Buckner place. Mm. And I thought, oh, dead ends. Hmm. It ends in dead. <laughs> right. You know, just him using that turn of phrase. Yeah, it's not in a fun cul-de-sac. <laughs> no, it dead ends. <laughs> and then also just when he's talking more about the, the, you know, that property. I mean, certainly people use the word plot when they're talking about property. But to me, it sounded a bit morbid hearing him say there's always somebody trying to sell that plot. You know, just plot to me sounds a bit more, you know, gothic and spooky than than that property or that cabin or, you know, that house, but that plot. Right, because people really wax nostalgic about like, we have this land, you know, I don't know if you know anyone who has you know land or property, but it gets to be when I've known people who have land, and I'm not talking about like the five square feet that I own inside of a city. <laughs> There's a house on top of it. But like when people really own land, you know, like a acre or whatever, um, they speak about it like we own this land. There's this property. There's this fertile promise and not like a plot, you know, plot yeah. even as a word just sounds depressing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those were the things that kind of just grabbed and kind of, you know, gave me a little food for thought during this minute. And there's a whole, you know, conversation that just goes a little weird. You know, everything with him's a bit off. He says he's been there since the war, and and um, she asks, you know, what war? And he's like, you know what war? You know, however exactly he says it, just like real gruff, like just everything he says doesn't quite make sense. Like they'd be more familiar with his life and his world and everything than they would be. It just and and this is the most graphically spittleish too like mm -hmm. <laughs> he had a lot of nasty muck around his mouth and it's pretty gross yeah so those are the kind of things i just sort of noticed myself what what was it about this minute that that gave you pause and exploration ideas well it happens just after this comment about you know you go damn well which war um and jules recoils and she's kind of like jesus fucking christ man like yikes i just i just asked a question because as an educated individual she's like hey i i don't know there's been you know several conflicts she doesn't know she's just asking a, a pretty innocent question but in his mind there is only one war and what's interesting to me is that even though she's kind of snuggled up to kurt kurt doesn't really do anything he doesn't really stick up for her he's not like hey dude jesus you're, you're being kind of mean you know it's marty Marty's the one who actually, you know, inserts himself with this very scathing, humorous comment about, would that have been with the blue and some in the gray brother perhaps fighting against brother in that way? And they're kind of like sniff snickering because they know it's the Civil War. 
And the Harbinger's response is like, you sassin' me, boy. And he's like, pretty much like, right. yeah, you were, you were rude to my friend. So he really does, you know, step up in that heroic way. And you had made mention of these guys starting to shift roles. That we had this snapshot of this is who we expect these people to be. And we've talked a little bit about this in a couple of past minutes now. And we had Kurt holding the football, whereas where we thought maybe initially he was going to be more of the quote unquote egghead, which we find that that switches a little bit. And then you've got Marty standing up here, not in a, you know, fool way, although it's humorous, but he's standing up for his friend. He's standing up for, you know, the little guy. He's standing up for the people who mean something to him. And that actually makes me think of the first introduction that we had to him when he rolls up in the Volvo and he's hotboxing in the car. Both Jules and Kurt are like, hey, man, that's really not cool. Like, you really can't bring a bong into my dad's van. I mean, he says van, but it's the Rambler. And then Marty's like collapsing down the bong and to the coffee container. And he's like, oh, what me? You know, bring this into your van? You know, what am I stoned? And so he, he has this sense that it's okay for him to potentially be pulled over in his own car for smoking a two foot bong, but it's really not okay for him to make his friends uncomfortable or put them in a space where they might, you know, be arrested. And so I feel like this is another one of those circumstances where he's like, I'm going to protect my friends. I care about my friends. These are the people who I have connections with. And that is the polar opposite concept than the people in the facility have. The people in the the facility are concerned about the macro view. They're concerned about saving humanity. They're not, it's not that they're not moved by the fact they have to sacrifice a few. It's just not top of concern. Marty has the opposite view. Marty is concerned about the few people, not just because it's himself, but he's showing that he really is standing up for the personal relationships in his life. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, there's there's a body language thing. First, he was kind of hanging back. But as soon as he sees this guy be disrespectful to Jules, he steps up and forward and in between, you know, really protecting her. And his stance is also so much different than, like you said, than the rolling up and the music bumping and thumping and the weed smoke pouring out. <laughs> this is like... You know, I'm looking at him right now in a freeze frame and he's looking, um, you know, his shoulders are back. He's standing up straight. He's got, you know, sort of a defensive posture. And so, yeah, I think you're right. We're getting the first real glimpse of who this guy really might be in our in our story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a much more heroic posture than we would expect from him, from his shagginess that we saw previously. Right. And then, of course, we have the Harbinger who has now named Jules as the whore, which upsets Kurt. Now it upsets Kurt. Now is the point where Kurt steps up and which to go toe to toe, in which he's like, hey, excuse me, what did you say? Which Holden then steps in to, to stop a potential brawl and be like, OK, I think I think we got enough gas. I think we're we're good here. We're going to we're going to go ahead and, and not let this escalate anymore. Yeah, there's some good shot blocking here, too, with the whole gang that, you know, you can't really see listening. So I won't go into too much detail, but just a nice maybe I'll screen grab that image so we can share it on our socials later, because it's just something nice where you kept capture jewels in the background and then 
the our three fellas, our three guys all looking at this guy. And they're all they're all, you know, now the three of them are in protection mode and they have some serious badass looks on their faces of like, you know, they could definitely take this guy down if they needed to. But yeah, like you said, Holden sort of neutralizes things and helps us get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Holden becomes the the person who diffuses this as a problem that he, he's the cooler head that is prevailing here. Yeah. So maybe, do you think he's starting to look maybe a bit more like the egghead if that's that's the stance he's taking? Right, because they really established him as a jock initially, where you would, you know, he didn't have the books in his hand. Kurt had the books in his hand. So I think right. they were trying to show more heroic complexity of Kurt is both well-read, but he's also athletic. So they're setting him up as a hero ideal and we don't know a ton about Holden. We haven't really, other than seeing him hold a couple of red plastic beer cups in the Rambler on the way, we really just don't know a ton about him. But I, I think this, right. you know, setting him up as someone who is not an alpha male, he's not going to go toe to toe. He's not like, we're going to go rumble. It's like, okay, we're done now. It's all right. We've, we've escalated. I'm now pulling the plug on this. And so I think you're right. I think this is the establishment of, of him not being that traditional jock character right right cool so well it is friday and we usually like to talk about maybe something we want to recommend sort of something in pop culture that we're into before we move into that mode is there anything else particular to minute 12 that you wanted to talk about well we have the last line of this minute where the harbinger says you know you've got enough to get you there meaning the gas getting back right. that's your concern yes that is quite foreboding <laughs> right right so at this point if you've never seen it before and from their perspective it's like why would we not be able to get back like yes of course i guess it would be my concern i guess we would have to figure that out but that is the that's the last straw that's the last warning right right yeah, because it doesn't really make, I mean, we don't technically know how far away this cabin is supposed to be, but it doesn't seem, it seems like they wouldn't be, I don't know. It just seems weird that they would have somewhere that was further than a place that there would be their last gas stop, right? So it it is, it does seem more like a um, a threat than anything else. Right. And there's also a a sense of like, no one's going to be around to help you. It's your concern. There's no one, there's no one going to be out there. There's no other gas. There's no other assistance that, that it's, it's your concern. Like I'm right. not going to help you. You're going to get it's out all there. It's all up to you. It's all As soon up as to you, you leave here, it's, it's all you. Mm -hmm. Right. You, ha you are now descending into the under realms. There's no GPS. You're screwed. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He did his job that as the harbinger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the last we see of him, but yes, he did. He did give all the warnings. He gave all the weirdnesses. Hell, he even had the chew. He spit the chew twice in front of them. And it was just like, meh. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good stopping point for, for a Friday, for a, another week down of 
of the old Cabin Minute cast, what um, what is it that you'd like to recommend for our recommendations, our Friday recommendations? So I'm just going to, I'm going to overshare on this. So I got food poisoning a year ago mm-hmm. and this show is so good that I can actually circumvent the association with food poisoning in my mind because I was watching the back episodes of the show while I was just laid out by some nachos that went the wrong way. So, oh my. <laughs> and the show is called The Blacklist. I don't typically go in for God, this is so elite. I'm like, I don't typically go in for non-cable-based shows, but <laughs> <laughs> You are hilarious. Oh my, oh god. my god. That's so like it's <laughs> the most bourgeois recommendation. <laughs> I'm gonna go for the showtime or the stars or the HBO, but <laughs> way to go, NBC. Uh it's called the it's called the Blacklist, and it is really a vehicle for James Spader. Yes. Um, and James Spader is I think I'll drop another Stargate reference. Everybody who's associated with Stargate from, from here to the end of time and everything they've done before and after is good in my book. But James <laughs> was, was in Star. I just like Egyptian stuff a whole lot. Um, Stargate and um, he was in the practice and uh, he did some some crazy 80s flicks. And he's just yes. he's just so... He has monologues in the blacklist that just are fantastic. And it really is just, he plays Raymond Reddington, who's like the most wanted FBI criminal in the history of FBI or the U.S. or criminals. And he's basically a, they call it a concierge to the criminals, basically that he runs into like a gun runner is like, hey, gun runner, let me help you out and make your business awesome. And I think he was like a, a Navy operative for a while and so he basically shows up at the fbi of an fbi profiler and specifically like get me agent keen agent elizabeth keen gives himself up and um, becomes an informant for the fbi and so every week there is somebody on his quote-unquote black list so it's some weird criminal who has a really strange mo that somehow fits in with his agenda and also gives the FBI somebody who's just been doing some really nasty, crazy shit for a really long time. And, it, you know, they get a good feather in their cap and, you know, government cabals and, you know, hidden government groups. And then there's a, a question about what the, the true relationship between Elizabeth and like family wise between um, Red, who's James Spader and Elizabeth Keene and whether there's their relatives because Elizabeth has got kind of a a hard family story that she was adopted by a gentleman and didn't really know her parents. And so he's got some knowledge about her parents. And so you'd have to watch several seasons and get the, the dangling of, is he her dad? Is he not her dad? What does he mean to her? And then he's got, um, (laughs) then she's got a a hubby that, that plays into it too. And so I don't want to say too much about the hubby. And then there's a spinoff show about the hubby, which sucks, but blacklist is all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely watched several episodes. I think my mom was on a bit of a blacklist uh, jag for a while. So (laughs) when I was hanging out with her, I watched them and definitely a huge James Spader fan uh, way back to, uh, you know, I don't think I ever actually watched Less Than Zero, Mm, but I definitely watched Sex, Lies and Videotape. 
And um, so that's where I remember first seeing him. There's also that movie Crash, the original Crash movie, not the the other movie that came out a few years ago, but the uh, David Cronenberg Crash, Mm. (laughs) which is pretty dark and sexy and creepy and weird and and, uh, you know, he usually plays some pretty interesting characters. And, of course, I really liked Secretary. Ding, and ding. So <laughs> <laughs> I also watched him in The Practice and Boston Legal. And so, yeah, big fan, big fan. And he was also tying things back here to the verse, Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, snap. Yeah, see, and he even has a connection to the Whedonverse. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I believe that's available on Netflix streaming these days. So it's something that people, if they have Netflix, they can check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, you can totally catch all that. You can do an amazing 22 episode binge for, I mean, you can literally, and fall is here and winter is coming. Winter is coming. So if you, <laughs> you want to hole up and just die in a room for a while, you can totally binge watch Blacklist and it's amazing. Sweet. So the thing that mine is, I would say, not so much a recommendation as a, hmm, this looks interesting. <laughs> so as of this recording, this is not out yet. But by the time the recording comes out, this will have come out. It's a new movie, a new British movie that looks like a cross between The Hangover and The Blair Witch Project called The Ritual. Have you heard about this yet? I have not. So I've got to say, I watched the trailer and unfortunately, I think it's one of those trailers that gives away too much. Mm. So, um, but I'll just read the storyline from um, IMDb, which says, A group of college friends reunite for a trip to the forest, but encounter a menacing presence in the woods that's stalking them. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I would prefer, I you know, I this will have come out by the time our minute our episode comes out so people may already have a take on this or have already seen it but as of talking today i just happened to catch it on uh, twitter somebody tweeted about it and i thought this looks interesting but i would recommend if you like to be more surprised it's kind of like watching you know the cabin in the woods without seeing the trailer of it so you have no idea i i would say skip the trailer and if this sounds like if if the hangover plus the blair witch project sounds <laughs> intriguing to you uh go check out the ritual cool that sounds great and so <laughs> and really weird because i yeah, I've got like Mike Tyson in there in my head now with Blair Witch. Okay, and... well, Mike Tyson's not in this movie. <laughs> That's not what I'm referring to. <laughs> I understand that. I'm just saying when we when we <laughs> mash up two different films, there are different images that commingle together. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. And who knows? Maybe maybe Mike Tyson is in this. I don't know. Looks like it's based on a novel mm. um so yeah cool that's awesome and yeah and it looks like the guy that's directing it is named david bruckner and he's a writer director and editor known for vhs which i have not seen but i know that's 
a scary movie that's, I think, each, I think different sections are directed or written by different people. I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's, I think it's kind of a ensemble-ish kind of movie. Could be wrong, but I feel like I heard that. And then The Signal and Southbound, and I don't, not familiar with those, but uh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. It says VHS written by segment, uh, segment called Amateur Night. So if you've seen VHS and you know what segment Amateur Night is, that's that's the one that he wrote. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my check it out if that sounds good to you sort of recommendation. Yeah, I think that's about it for for today. Shall we wrap up minute 12? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so we're going to wrap things up for Minute 12 and Episode 12 of Cabin Minute Cast, the podcast based on the movie The Cabin in the Woods. And we are part of a larger family that basically got started off by Star Wars Minute and the fellas at Star Wars Minute um, even helped us out by main, they're maintaining this website called moviesbyminutes.com. So if you go over to moviesbyminutes.com, you can see a list of all the movies that are are out or all the podcasts about all the different movies. <laughs> I'll be able to say it eventually. So yeah, if you're curious, um, you can find us at cabinminutecast.com. And if you want to see what other Movies by Minutes podcasts are happening, then you can go to moviesbyminutes.com. Sweet. And there are a ton of podcasts up there and, and there's always more coming. So I would wager that you can find something that would tickle your fancy if you go to that website. I guarantee. Yeah. Something's going to tickle your fancy. I know my fancy has been tickled <laughs> quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the best advocacy ever for that website. <laughs> Uh, and on that note thank you guys for checking out our episode 12 and come on back on monday where we wrap up the harbinger and these guys take off back into the woods try and make it to the cabin so oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> we're really getting to the cabin oh my god i can't believe it <laughs> i know i know we're finally gonna get to the cabin oh man uh, well yeah so come on back and um We'll see you back at the cabin. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>